Welcome to the Straight Up Intentional Podcast. This is your host, Diane, and on this podcast, we're going to talk everything faith, fitness, and mindset, and how to live an intentional life. Guys, I have a really, really good friend of mine here, friend and family, and she's going to bring you so much goodness on not only intentional living, but just like some business gems, mindset gems, and of always, of course, faith gems too. So Chelsea, introduce yourself. Who are you? What do you do? Hi, guys. So my name is Chelsea. I am a mom, a mom of two, a girl mom. Um, and I am a wife. I am a content creator. I am a homeschooling mom. I am part of our church. <laughs> I'm a bunch of different things. <laughs> yeah, I hear you on that. I hear you. And it isn't a surprise that we're super close because we do a lot of the same things together. But for the people that don't know, I feel like I always tell this story. So I want to hear it from your perspective. <laughs> How did we meet? So it's actually really ironic, you guys, because the tables have turned uh, eight years later, nine years later, I think it is. So we met at a backyard workout back in the day. My husband and I used to run a workout from our backyard and we would invite people that were part of the community. And Diane was brought in by one of her friends that was currently coming to the workout. And I remember Diane coming because she, my husband made her do burpees. And I remember her always saying that that particular workout made her feel like she literally wanted to throw up and never come back. <laughs> and so it was from that day on that we instantly connected. She actually ended up winning one of our fitness challenges. And then she became our roommate. So it was just really cool the way that we connected from the beginning. First, it was fitness. And then, you know, now we've kind of gone on this journey of many different stages of motherhood together. And now the tables are turned because I am out of the fitness industry. Diane is in the fitness industry, which to be honest, if you've known Diane or if you have ever met her in person, you know, that's just really such a big part of who she is. So now the tables are turned and she is teaching me how to work out again and get back into my fitness group. So that's a little bit about how we initially met. Yeah. So it's really funny. Well, it's not funny. You see that it's funny because like you said, you guys are pretty much how I, my fitness journey began because I did, like, I always tell people, like I would run around and like do like cardio and stuff like that, but I never would have picked up a weight hadn't it been for you guys, right. For you guys incorporating the weights in the workouts. And that's so funny because I now like, that's like my thing. Like I have to like pick up weights once a day or else I go crazy. So it's so funny. Um, and it's true. It's been so long. I want to say I was like 22 years old and I'm going to be 32, maybe 23. So yeah, it's been about like, I've been with Anthony seven years. So it's been about like nine years, if not already, almost. So insane because the girls we were when we met obviously are not the women that we are now. When we met, you know, even though you were already married and you had uh, Madison and I had Sophia 
we were babies, <laughs> like in comparison to like who we are now as women. And it's crazy how we've kind of like gone through these like life changes together. And I think that's why our lives intertwine so much is because of all of the common things that we've gone through together and individually, but that still come back together. So I know that you are in Arizona now and that you're new to Arizona, but I mean, obviously not, not anymore, but you're newer to Arizona. Tell the people what you were doing last year and how, like that interesting thing and how you were able to make that happen. So back in January, it was January 1st, 2022, we decided that we were going to leave the state of California, which my husband and I had both you know, we were born and raised in California. So I never personally saw us leaving. My husband always wanted to leave. And we decided that we would take off on a one to two year road trip and travel around the United States. And this was mainly because we saw the way California was headed. And it got to the point where I didn't even feel comfortable taking my kids to the store. And we just knew that long term, it wasn't the ideal environment that we wanted to raise our children in, along with many other things. And so we took off on this digital nomad journey. And we started in Nevada. And we made our way kind of throughout the West Coast, we definitely didn't travel as much as I intended to from the beginning. But there were a lot of different things that were happening in the world and stuff like that. And my husband was an entrepreneur at the time. He had his hand in a few different things in online businesses, and I'm a content creator. So it just really made sense for us to be able to travel and homeschool our kids because we had nothing that was keeping us tied to California. So from January 1st, 2022 to April of 2023, we were traveling on and off and I started to document this journey and just really start sharing with people about living intentionally and li really actually living, not just getting up every day and doing what you're supposed to do, but actually living life on your terms. And it's funny because I always say this, but anybody who knows me in my early 20s knows that like I was the broke friend like I didn't have any money any extra money to travel in fact I was really dedicated to my job at the time I was a retail manager and so all of my friends were traveling and I was dedicated to my job working and spending money carelessly so it's really ironic that you know 13 years later I'm traveling around the United States and really figuring out okay which home which state are we going to make home? And that was a main focus of our journey is that we said, okay, we know we want to leave California, but we don't know exactly which state. And the only way we're going to get the idea of, you know, if this state is a right fit for us is by staying in, you know, cities and certain states for 20 to 30 days at a time, 60 days, whatever it was, right? Because if you travel for a couple of days, you can't really get a good understanding of how that community is and stuff. So, we decided to travel and it was the most incredible experience I can ever share with my family. I mean, we, it changed us in so many ways, but I really want to say that the biggest thing we took away from traveling as a family is just who we are as far as our family dynamic. It really just changed everything because 
before I was a content creator, I was working in the corporate world and you get so used to, you know, getting up every day and taking your kids to school, dropping them off or daycare and going to work and then getting off of work, picking them up, coming home, making dinner. And then it's the same routine over and over. And I just knew my husband and I both knew that we just didn't want to live that type of lifestyle anymore. We wanted to truly enjoy life and that means taking their education into our own hands and switching to homeschooling and then traveling and giving them these experiences that we really never had the opportunity to give them because our first five to six years of marriage we were extremely broke and struggling so it was really like a dream come true and at that time it just felt like this is the next step in our lives and it was incredible. It has definitely changed the entirety of our family. And as much as I loved it, I am very happy to call Arizona home because you just kind of long for that place to call home and have that community of people and, you know, start settling your roots down somewhere. So Arizona was our choice. Yes. And I'm so glad that you're here. Um, But you know, even though I'm so glad that you're here, I was so proud of you guys because that's scary. It's scary to like get rid of everything and start over. Even coming from California to Arizona, that was a big step. That was scary. So let alone like sell everything and not even have like a set place that you're going to be in. Um, But I know that that taught you to live intentionally because you couldn't just you know go through the motions of life while not also having a home right so you have to like really plan out your life you have to be really intentional with the steps that you take what did this experience teach you now going into like now you're gonna have well you already have your home in Arizona and all that stuff what did that teach you like what can you take from that experience to now in your everyday life to not go back to the old way of just like taking it for granted or going through the motions? How, what did it teach you in that aspect? So if I'm being very honest, I felt like when I lived in California, there was a part of me that was bougie. Um, And you know this, we've had this conversation before, but I think it's just being raised in the environment and and living in between LA County and Orange County. Um, It's just the way of life out there. And so materialistic things and, and I got kind of caught up in this realm of trying to keep up with what everybody else was doing. And so I constantly felt when we were in California that I was really never enough. You know, I used to have conversations with my husband and I would say, you know, I don't understand why we don't have a home. I don't understand why we don't have this and we don't have that. And to be honest, you know, that's not to me, um, all the showy things and not that having a home is a showy thing. Right. But, um, I think it's very easy when you live in that environment in California to get caught up with a lot of things that literally have no meaning in life. Like it doesn't matter what type of restaurant you go to in LA. It doesn't matter how much your meal was. It doesn't matter what type of designer bags you're wearing. Um, It doesn't matter what type of people you hang out with, right? Whether they're wealthy, whether whatever, like all of those things, they really just do not matter. They don't make you who you are as a person. It's literally just for bragging rights. And Uh, I might get a little bit of backlash for saying that, but um, 
from my own personal opinion, as I have stepped out of that bubble and I traveled to other cities and other states and I saw the way that people lived a life so intentionally, it really made me realize, you know what, all of these things that we just sold prior to leaving California, at the end of the day, they're just things. It made me really realize that I've spent so much money over the years on things that do not matter in life. Um, at this time, you know, we weren't, we've always been believers, but we weren't on a path of like really loving and trusting God in, in the, in our journey. It was like a start to what was to come, but it really was the big thing that woke us up and said like, we don't need these things. At the end of the day, they're just things. We don't need to keep up with anybody. We don't need to have, you know, big extravagant things to show off. It doesn't, those things don't matter. Um, and I'll talk about that. I know here shortly a little bit about like kind of where we're at with our faith and stuff like that, but it really humbled me. It really humbled me and made me realize that at the end of the day, they're just things. And so the way we live now is very minimally, um, even, you know, when we bought things to put into the house and stuff, I was very careful about what we were bringing in because I'm like, at the end of the day, these are just things. This is our home, but like, there's so much more to this besides, you know, the material things around the house. I love that you said that. Um, that's definitely something that I can say that has changed that I can see a change in you is that you have, like you said, you've humbled yourself in the sense, not so much that you weren't humble before, um, but in the things department. And in, like you said, like maybe you don't care about going to like a specific restaurant now for brunch or whatever, where before maybe that did matter to you. And it's so true that you kind of have to get outside of the bubble to like from the outside looking in to realize that it was very much a societal thing. And when you remove yourself from that bubble, you realize like, that's just not how life works, right? That's not what matters in life. And now we're really building these bonds and friendships and all that's based on things that actually matter, right? Like our faith for you, you know, you have a lot of business associates or people that are just going to help you build. And I know for myself too, I have a lot of women that empower me and that push me to be better. And I surround myself with people that not only are, you know, helping me, but they're rooting for me. Right. And I'm rooting for them. And it's like an equal exchange um, instead of it being superficial or vain. Right. So I love that. And that's just another part of that. Um, now I know the answer to this, but for you, I know that there was a big thing that happened in yours and Emil's life that also kind of shook you guys before you even left. Um, and what, like what happened obviously. And then what did that teach you about again, living for the moment for the day and just appreciating every single day and every minute. Yeah. So January of 20, I, I'm sorry. It was actually February. It was like the first week of February of 2021. You know, I was at a place in my network marketing business where I was traveling and I was really just at this place. I think it was one of those things where I kind of got like the travel bug <laughs> And, you know, it was fun. And I've always, you know, this, I've always had an incredible, supportive, amazing husband that supported anything that I did. And so, you know, I was qualifying for trips and I was kind of getting my feet wet with travel. 
and I had taken a girl's trip to Miami and, you know, my husband watched the girls and everything. And I came home and it was about a week later. We, it was a normal Thursday night. I will not forget this. Like I could literally vividly remember everything, um, everything like it was yesterday. And so my husband was making chicken wings. Uh, fun fact, me and Diane both love chicken wings. So <laughs> we was making chicken wings in our kitchen and he was done. I was cleaning up the kitchen. He had went to the room and the way that the kitchen was, it was kind of like in the middle of the house. So I didn't see him go to the room. I just kind of like heard him snoring. I was picking up the kitchen and I started noticing that his snore was getting a lot louder. And it was just my gut instinct at that time that I, you know, it was common that he would snore really loud. Anybody that's ever stayed at our house knows that. But this just sounded very different from anything I've ever heard before. So I walked into the room and I tried waking him up to tell him that, you know, he's snoring and to catch his breath and whatever. And he was non-responsive. He it was the weirdest thing because he was actually snoring, but he would not respond to me. I could not wake him up. And I just knew my gut instinct knew. So I got on the phone. I called 911 right away. It seemed like literally in an in eternity to get there for them to actually arrive on the scene. I think it was like a total of three minutes. But in that three minutes, what I did, my husband was 252 pounds at the time. I lifted him off of the bed onto the floor and I started performing mouth to mouth because he was turning purple and he was losing oxygen. Um, at that point, I think, um, actually my grandma was staying with us at the house for, it was like a week or two. And I ran out of the house at one point to my neighbor's house to try and get her to come over to take the girls because my daughters, Madison and Everly at the time were, I want to say three and six. And it was the scariest thing. It was the scariest thing. I was on the phone with 911. They were advising me what to do. I was giving him mouth to mouth. He was turning purple. I literally was praying, thought I was going to lose my husband. As soon as they arrived on scene, they kicked me out of the room. I had no idea what was going on and I'm pacing up and down the halls of the house, but they won't let me in the room and they wheel my husband out. Once they gained consciousness, which I didn't know until after the fact, he lost consciousness for three minutes. So he had no heartbeat for three minutes. And once they were able to bring him back, they took him out of the house. He woke up. He had no idea what was going on. And we had no idea what was going on. And it was a really scary time in our lives because, you know, from one minute to the next, everything changed for our family. I remember trying to call the hospital and trying to get information, but there were so many different tests that they were running, trying to figure out what happened to him. I remember at some point they were even accusing him of being on drugs, saying that it was a drug overdose. And that night he had a truly, which was very common for us to just have a truly with our dinner, not a big tall can. It was just a regular truly. And maybe it was a tall can. I can't remember exactly. That's irrelevant. But I remember he just drank a truly and we ate and he went to sleep. It was normal. And uh, we ended up finding out he was in the hospital for three days, but we ended up finding out that he had severe sleep apnea. And the first night that he was in the hospital, they realized how bad his sleep apnea was because of his breathing patterns. And so that was the scariest time of our lives. And now, you know, it's been 
he's almost been sober for three years. So he decided after all of that happened to get sober and put alcohol down because that, you know, was a obviously a, a near death experience. And so that was really it, it's it's crazy the way that everything has aligned, because that was the first thing that made us realize life is so fragile and i know that we always say that and we always have like this armor shield on where we think that we're invincible and it's not gonna happen to us but that really shaped everything for our entire lives just not only our entire lives but our marriage in our family unit and from there on we have never been the same it's it's it was that and then us deciding to leave california so the way it was kind of like a domino effect. One thing happened and then another thing happened. And then we were just packing our bags and leaving California. So the, all of these things were huge impacts in our life that led us to where we are today. And thank God, you know, it's crazy because like you said, like, you know, you always were a faithful person you always believed in Jesus even in the times that I stepped away um everybody I mean they might actually not know my story fully but I was raised in the church my grandpa was a pastor he traveled the world to spread the word of Jesus and we were raised you know in the church but as a teenager and young adult I did what most teenagers and young adults do and I rebelled against everything my parents ever taught me So I definitely dabbled in new age and just thinking like free thinking and whatever you want to call it, hippie, love, whatever. And Chelsea was always someone that talked about Jesus and, you know, had her like Bible verses in her house and stuff like that. But like you said the other day, or you posted yesterday, the like they knew of Jesus, but they know Jesus. It's so crazy because it's so true. And again, it's like that thing where we're going through our own separate experiences. You know, you what happened with Emil and then you're traveling and all that stuff. And then you come to Arizona and you're like, I really want to go to church. I just don't know what church. And I happen to be just diving into church, like full on head on starting a Bible study, you know, all those good things. And here we are now. And we're like back on the same pace. Isn't that so crazy? Like how God does that. But like, obviously God had his hand on you and Emil that night, because I remember you calling me. And that was one of the scariest calls I've had in my entire life, because you could just hear the panic in your voice, you know, and made me freak out grandma heard and grandma was freaking out because she heard me freaking out it was it was a lot it was a lot but you know God had his hand in you know you and Emil and like I always say just God wasn't done yet God was like nope I need you guys here I need your husband here he needs to you know share his testimony and this is going to change people's lives and then you too like you hanging on and being there by his side is another testimony right because now you get to also share this story and help other people so you and I are actually coming up on our two years of sobriety on the same day which is Halloween Mm of um which is so funny that it's on Halloween but It just happens to be on Halloween um, coming up two years. And the funny thing about this is that 
like you said, Emil had already been sober for almost a year. And it's, you know, coming from someone that was still drinking when Emil was sober. I remember being like, does that mean I have to stop drinking? (laughs) Which is crazy because when people say that to me, I'm like, do your own, make your own decisions. Like, I don't know, you know, but it's funny because I understand it because I thought it, I was like, does that mean I have to stop drinking or does that mean I have to stop drinking around a meal and all that good stuff? Please excuse the background noise. And so it's crazy that, you know, it ended up, I still ended up getting sober, but on my own terms and for my own reason. And you ended up getting sober too. I'm going to let you tell me (laughs) what made you get sober ultimately while I uh, open the door for Oliver. So I relate to that so much because I remember being so selfish at the time. And as much as his accident changed us and as broken as I felt in that moment, I was too selfish to even think that why would I put down alcohol? Alcohol has been a a very big part of our lives, right? We go to social events, we drink. And I don't consider myself an alcoholic. I don't think I was in denial either, but I do think that I had tendencies where I was a big social drinker. And anytime we were in social environments, I was drinking. And I just remember, you know, I remember a couple of months after his accident, and this is so crazy, you guys, that I'm even sharing this. Um, Because looking back, I'm like so embarrassed that I was so selfish at that time. But Two months after, three months after his accident, I had qualified for a trip to Vegas. Everything was paid for. Um, Well, the flights in the hotel, right? So we went to Vegas and my husband drank Red Bulls while I was drinking with, you know, a bunch of my friends and stuff like that. And I did that. I did that. I continued to drink. Um, It's in July of that year, I qualified for a trip to Greece. It was a girl's trip to Greece. I'm telling you, I was living the life, but I was so far away from reality. I was just in this bubble of kind of almost being selfish. And maybe it was kind of a way that I was dealing with what was going on also. But I just remember thinking that I never had a problem, so I could drink and it's fine. And he would always say, don't Like he would, when we went to social events, he would even, you know, buy me a truly. And that, that was my thing. He would buy me a truly. And he would say like, I don't expect you to stop drinking just because I'm, I stopped drinking, you know? And Diane and I had, it was her birthday and her family had a party for her. And we, that was the last time that I was intoxicated. But I remember that because I was so embarrassed the morning after that, I woke up and I felt so embarrassed because I had one too many drinks and, you know, Chelsea, who's intoxicated, has a mouth on her and I said some things that were definitely out of line to people that I did not mean to hurt and I just remember one of our close friends, Teresa, saying, you know, you were a little bit out of hand last night. And so I was just embarrassed and I was tired of feeling that way. I didn't want to hear those stories anymore of what I did when I was intoxicated. And I never planned to get sober, but I did plan to complete 75 hard. 
And I knew when I started that I was going to give up alcohol. And so I completed 75 hard and I was really, really proud of myself. And after 75 hard, I told myself, I don't need alcohol. I've gone 75 days without it. I have no want for it anymore. And it was just from that moment on that I have never touched alcohol since. It's been almost two years. And by the grace of God, that is possible because he knew what he was saving me from and that darkness that he was saving me from because everything makes sense now. I was never going to have the marriage that I wanted and the family unit that I wanted if I continued to drink while my husband was fighting to stay sober. And so it was a huge learning lesson and a full circle moment for me to, you know, be at this place right now in my life where I'm like, I understand you, God, I get it. It makes sense. And thank you. Thank you for saving me from that pit of darkness that I didn't realize was a constant battle in my life. Yes. Thank you so much for sharing that. I know that that was a lot. It's hard to talk about those things because I know for even me, um, it's, it's embarrassing sometimes, right? Or you feel you still look back on that and you think of like the shame and the guilt that you felt. But it's so beautiful also because there's so many people that think that there's no other way. So us, you know, sharing these experiences and them seeing that we're just normal people. We weren't like, you know, we weren't at the level that a lot of alcoholics will get to that need to stop, but it was more so a conscious and intentional decision to stop you for your, you know, for yourself, for your marriage, for a lot of different reasons. Um, And then of course I have my reasons, which I'm going to share soon, but it's like, you don't have to be an alcoholic to stop drinking. You know, you just have to make that conscious decision that you don't, you're tired of it. You don't want it in your life. It's not benefiting you. It's not how you want to live intentionally. And it doesn't have to be rock bottom, right? It doesn't have, you don't have to get to rock bottom to stop. Okay. My last question to you is going to be about your faith. What is, um, one major thing that has shifted in your life and gotten you closer to God? And then one tip for someone that is, you know, curious about getting closer to God and, and living more intentionally. So it's funny because, uh, doing this entire interview, I'm like, uh, you know, when I shared Emil's story, I was a little bit teary eyed, but this one shook me up the most. Um, and I think it's because recently I was saved August 17th. I decided to get baptized and I just want to say this same thing as Diane, you know, her being in a environment around the church and being part of the church and watching her grandparents go out and spread the word of Jesus. You know, I was raised in a Christian church and my grandparents are Lutheran. My, my dad was raised Lutheran. My mom was raised Christian. I grew up in the church and I just remember as I'm kind of looking back on my entire childhood, I remember church being a part of our lives and I'm so grateful for that. But recently I was having a conversation with my dad and my dad told me, he said, I always left it up to you guys to make those decisions as you got older, as far as what you wanted to do and how you wanted to continue being faithful. And in a way, I really respect him for that because it was my own journey that I had to go on to realize that I was a lukewarm Christian pretty much my entire life. I just turned 35. I got baptized at 34 
And I have been a lukewarm Christian for so many years and I didn't really know what that meant. Yeah, I had the Bible verses in my house and yes, I had the holy Bibles for my children when they were born and I would read them stories and I would turn to the Bible and read verses in times that I felt desperate or lonely or anxious or depressed or whatever. But I was a lukewarm Christian. I was not living for God and I was not being the mom that I needed to be for my children and the wife that I needed to be for my husband. And I will tell you guys that every, the one thing that has changed the entirety of who I am now as I continue to walk with Christ is being around women who have the same vision as me. And I don't want to say this in the sense that I'm attacking anybody who is my friend because I have plenty of friends and we just don't talk about those things. And that is 100% okay. But I do feel like it's one of those things that does need to be talked about, right? Because as you have friends in high school and you have friends in college and you grow up and you become moms together, it's one of those things that was never really talked about. And we kind of all believed our own things, but if I'm reflecting on who I was, I was the lukewarm Christian and I really fell in love with God and what he has done in our lives when I realized I am alongside 10, 15, 20 other broken women. And that is okay. I don't have to have everything together. I don't have to be perfect. My family doesn't have to be perfect. In fact, being the woman of faith that I am is being the most imperfect human and just knowing that God accepts me exactly for who I am. And so... If I'm going to give you guys one tip in starting your journey and becoming faithful and really knowing God and the faithfulness that he can have in your life is just surrendering everything to him. Number one, I don't care what yesterday looked like. I don't care what three years ago looked like. I don't care what you did 20 minutes ago. You can surrender everything at this moment, give it up to him. And he is the only person that does not judge you for what you have done in your life, but you have to make that commitment to surrender. Second thing that I want to say, I wanted the family dynamic and I wanted my husband to be a certain way, but it wasn't until I became the wife that I needed to be that changed everything for our family. I was sitting here picking out all of my husband's faults and I was sitting here overwhelmed with motherhood all the time, complaining about my children and as hard as it is, um, it wasn't until I became who I needed to be as the Christian mom and the Christian wife. And I started praying over my husband and I started praying over my kids. And anytime I have a conversation with any of my friends, I always tell them, lay hands on your husband at night and pray because it is not our job to convince our husbands that they need to follow Jesus. It is our job to pray that they have a heart and they surrender themselves so that you guys can be equally yoked and have the marriage that you long to have. Because we're so quick to point the finger at everybody else and what everybody else has done and what our kids have done because, gosh, it's stressful and motherhood and X, Y, Z. But we're forgetting to look at ourselves and it really starts with us. So my third tip is 
surround yourself with a community, find a church that you absolutely love, find a group of women that you absolutely love, find that place that you feel comfortable so that you can start growing in your relationship with Christ. And you are alongside women that are at the same place you are. And you guys will just see these incredible, beautiful relationships blossom between you guys because there's nothing like having sisters in Christ. Amen to all of that. And it goes back to everything I say on this podcast. You have to decide that you are the person that is worthy enough for this. And then you have to walk in that way and you have to collaborate with God. You can't just pray, pray, pray for things to get better, but never take action. Right. So you saying I had to become the wife that I need to become in order for my husband to become the guy that he is now. Right. You you cannot expect other people around you to change if you are not willing to change anything about yourself. So us focusing on ourselves just for a second, it's going to help everybody around us. Everyone around us benefits when we work on ourselves. And this is why I continue to show up to the gym. I continue to wake up and read my Bible. I continue to, you know, be in my faith and be selfish a little bit with my time when I have to be with God, when I have to be away so that I can come back and be the best me. And that's what I hear from you is that you are showing up as the best version of you, which is therefore translating into your family. And now your family is growing because of how you have grown. And that's amazing. And that's how you live intentionally, guys. Thank you so much for coming. Don't worry, guys. She's going to be back. She is definitely going to be back. We're going to have a lot more to talk about. And thanks, Chelsea, for coming on. Love you. Bye.